I'm Advent. Advent is a little confusing. It's confusing because, first, Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, right, because, at, because the church is working on Kairos versus Kronos. Kairos, we're working on God's time. And we're, when we are working on God's time, we'll find ourselves topsy-turvy to the rest of the world. For us, this is the start of our new year. This is the start of our time to be in watchful waiting for the coming of Jesus the Christ, our Emmanuel, God who walks with us, God's love himself brought to earth. That's here in our time. In the time of the world, this is the time of trying to run and get presents. This is the time to set up the lights outside the house to show the big light display. I saw a number in US News of, this sounds crazy, but I'm gonna throw it out. I thought it said eight million, I think they said eight billion is spent on Christmas decorations annually. This is a time of rushing for those in the business world. This is a time of trying to jam your fiscal year books to close the year. This is a time of huge chaos and running and baking and cooking and shopping and standing in line at Target. And yet, in God's time, it's not the rush. It's settling in to still our hearts and our souls for God to be amongst us. What is challenging, and I was trying to think of that because I got to work with the lectionary and choose the reading, uh, Isaiah, is for a start of Advent for this time of reflection, we've got some challenging text. I'll just throw it out there. Ralph Milton, who's a Canadian pastor whose blog I read assiduously, um, said there's nothing like, um, how do you put it? There's nothing like why we would want to portray the angry and vengeful God during the start of Advent when God is amongst us. It's a challenge because this is the run up to Christmas. Instead of God being angry with us and reading apocryphal texts about the skies falling from heaven, we should be thinking about Christmas lights and eggnog and making gingerbread houses. We're in complete conflict between God's time, Kairos and Kronos, with our time out in the world. But there is hope yet. There is example to be found here. In the prophet Isaiah, the first portion, we read of the angry God, and he even speaks about that. Keep in mind that Isaiah speaks of a broader story as a prophet who warned the people of Israel to change their ways as they were caught up in the life of the world, in money, in, in business. They were turning away from God, and then Babylon conquered them and took them as a tore down the temple, spoils and plunder, took Israel, the Hebrew people, as slaves to be on the Euphrates as part of Babylon. Seventy years later, they get to return, and this is when Isaiah is writing, and he's trying to explain why essentially good thing, bad things happen to good people in his mind. In this post-exilic time after the exile, when they return to Israel and their temple is destroyed, and they don't recognize what happened to their land because they had been away for two generations plus, and as he wrote, God, you are angry and we had sinned, and because you hid yourself, we transgressed. That he saw the people as falling away from God 
and being apart from God. But the prophet reminds God half at the, towards the bottom of our portion, quote, you are our father and we are the clay and you are the potter. And thank you for the way you've read that. It was beautiful. We are the work of your hand. There is a covenant that has existed since Abraham and the people of God like this. And no matter what we try to do on either our side or on God's side, we are still connected. And this is how we start Advent. We are still connected, even when it seems like we're angry with each other, even when it seems like we've drifted away. The uh, Old Testament scholar, writer, theologian, Walter Brueggemann, in his commentary on this passage for Advent, Brueggemann wrote, we are your people and we belong to you, God, and you cannot disown us. We have no other source of help. In the end, Advent focuses us not on God's massive power that moves mountains and brings earthquakes and shame on us, but to God's family sense of solidarity. The same sense of solidarity that causes parents to do irrational caring deeds for beloved wayward children. So let me tr walk into something a little bit. I have, our family is blessed with one child. He's 22, he's male, and he does some of the things that 22-year-old males do. Not always the most logical. Thank you, exactly. <laughs> so he had been living at home, and one night in August, he suddenly appears in our living room with two Ikea bags full of clothing and a skateboard under his arm, jumps in a car and disappears into the night. And a couple of days later, we find out he's couch surfing with some old college buddies in Cotati. We live in South San Francisco. We at least were glad that he landed. There were high hopes that he might return to college, but that's not quite what happened. He got a job. He's a warehouseman at UPS. We're very you know, blessed by God that he's working. He's found himself an apartment and he's moved into the apartment. Is this what we expected from our wayward child? Eh, he's safe. But we know that we are tied to him as he is tied to us. And even if he disappears in the midst of the night with a skateboard under his arm and we don't go chasing him, we know we are connected. And somewhere in five or 10 years, 20 years, that connection will be there, 50, God willing. Like God with us and we with God, that connection is always there. So even when speaking about the angry God, we also know that God loves us and we have that same loving connection with God. So in the portion from Mark, the preamble to that is they, Jesus has come with his disciples to Jerusalem. They see the temple bigger, grander than this, this beautiful church. And the disciples marvel on how big it is, how white is the marble, how massive is the complex, it's so great, nothing will tear it down. And Jesus' response to them is talking about the destruction of the temple. He's talking about the second temple, but he's telling them this too will fall down. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, not specifically that, but there will be sadness in Jerusalem and he talks about that Israel will be scattered. In verse 14, Judea will flee to the mountains. And the brothers four, 
Peter and Andrew, John and James, the core group of the disciples, ask Jesus, what are you talking about and what does that mean? And frankly, you're scaring us. And this is his response. And this is where our portion begins. In those days, after the suffering, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Happy Christmas. <laughs> I'm almost picturing Jesus has turned to them and said, do I have your attention now? But he immediately responds with hope. The fig tree, the harbinger of spring into summer, as we remember here when the leaves start coming out and in spring and we know that spring will turn to summer and another year will come, that we will be faithful and that will change, that whatever happens, those apocalyptic writings are not talking about waiting for the end of time. We're not talking about this moment that like the radio station that was predicting exactly when the world was ending. That's not what we're waiting for. We're waiting for God to return, and God is asking us to be faithful. And Jesus reminds us that even when he is gone, you do not know when the master comes, to quote. He, will, he may find you asleep, but we are watch, we are keeping awake, we are keeping watch, and my words will not pass away, and the faithful will be ready Keep awake. Our wayward children and us, boys and girls, parents, uncles and aunts and godparents, we are so connected with each other and with God and with community. That is working on God's time. We are so tied together. That's what the prophet Isaiah was trying to remind Israel. No matter what we do, God's going to be there. And if God is angry, we have to remind God that no matter what we did wrong, we're together. We are in this together. When Jesus is reminding the, his disciples and they're asking, what about, how can you talk about the destruction of the temple? He's telling them, we are still together, but you have to be faithful because the only way we can stay together is to be faithful to the way of God and to the way that Jesus has shown us. Our presiding bishop, Bishop Michael Curry, spoke about this in one of his first videos to the church. God came among us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth to show us the way. He came to show us the way to life, the way to love. He came to show us the way beyond what can be called the nightmares of our own devisings and into the dream of God's intending. That was his introduction to the Jesus movement, the movement that calls us all to be evangelists of God's love. What a way to also look at Advent, that this is the start, that at a time when the rest of the world is being rush, 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 and God is calling us to calm down and be still. And yet we know that at the end, in those, all those days, at the end on December 25th, Jesus will be born and we'll remember that moment again. And God's love will be amongst us. But this is the time for us to slow down, but more so, as evangelists, as followers of Jesus, we in Ross, in San Francisco, in Corte Madeira, San Jose, throughout the whole church, we will share this story. We are called to share this story. 
the story of God's dream of Emmanuel, God with us, to be amongst us. I may have, if, I, if you remember this story from before, bear with me. Um, but when I was a newly minted priest, they do exist. And I was excited about being in my, being in my first call. I was a curate at St. Cyprian's in the Fillmore District of San Francisco, and I had my shiny shirt and black shirt, my shiny little collar. And I had an office after years of working and being in seminary and was getting ready to start writing sermons. And my vicar, my boss, came to me and said, nah, hold up. I want you to write your sermon down at Muddy's Coffee Shop in all these coffee shops that are opening up. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. He said, yes, you are. You get to share the story. So I walked in the coffee shop, and maybe one or two of you have been to coffee shops before, and all the tables are crowded, and I have my little Bible study books with me, my laptop, and there's a six-top table, and one spot's left, so I sit down in it, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I turn to the table, and I say, hi. And two people leave. <laughs> but this was the start of a story. It was the start of breaking through that of our world, our culture, our time that keeps us so busy that we can't see each other and recognize each other, that a simple high could be a scary, threatening thing, and yet this is who we are. We are evangelists. We are followers of Jesus. We know that God is amongst us, and we can break that barrier by telling that story. This is when we turn the nightmares into God's dream. This is when we are on our own and it seems like we don't have faith. We have faith because God is with us. This is the time that when we are standing in line at the stores and we're in Macy's and we've got boxes and boxes and we're trying to look and we turn to somebody and say, oh, I didn't know that Christmas balls came in those big kind of star-shaped things and start a conversation with someone who may have not had anyone talk to them today. We share our story. We share God's love. We share what Emmanuel, God amongst us, is still with us, being with us. And in Advent, in the midst of these lines and shopping and craziness and trying to close our year end and trying to get our packages mailed and booking our flights and sleeping in airports and everything else, this is when we are quiet and reflectful and take that moment to know that God, God's love, is living in each of us, and we share that quiet, reflective love with everyone that we meet. Jesus the Christ is coming, and we want to be faithful and awake and ready for when Jesus is amongst us. Welcome to the new year. Amen.